This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. He is just an obsessive goal scorer. But they have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the Bernabeu brings it back. I'm, I'm got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Football. Welcome to House of Champions, YouTube friends, dropping your comments and questions in that chat and make sure you hammer the like and subscribe buttons as we go through the last minute transfers. Yes, the last minute transfers with the window now officially, unofficially, officially closed. Let's absolutely have it, boys. Welcome in. I'm Ian Joy. I'm joined in the House of Champions by the main men, Nigel Rio Coker, Michael Hood, and there's James Benj over there. Got his phone in his hand right now, James Benj. <laughs> the window is now closed. Initial thoughts. James, I'll come to you first because it's been very active around your area. Initial thoughts on the transfer window in general? Um, daft. Uh, an awful lot of clubs <laughs> proceeding with with limited semblance of a, of a plan, uh, and increasingly, the sense that there is absolutely nothing more ambitious than spending a load of money um, with little rhyme or reason. Uh, I'm just delighted it's over. I think it's the stupidest part of football. I think more often than not, these deals are pretty much an irrelevance. I mean, we'll come to talk about this with Enzo Fernandez, but. You know, what's ambitious is running your club well and um, making shrewd signings and committing to giving young footballers opportunities. What's not ambitious is is, is paying the, the release, the £120 million release clause for a player with, with next to zero sample size. But we are going to tell talk us, about it. Tell us how you feel, James. <laughs> <laughs> Just, Just pull him up. Poison and tell us more. Uh, we love it, James. Hey, listen, I know it's very late over there. We appreciate you joining us right now. I know, obviously, things have been crazy for you today, but um, really, thanks for everything you've done as well. And um, obviously, just tracking you has been real fun over this transfer mm-hmm. window in general. So appreciate all the hard work you put out there, especially for CBSSports.com. Nigel, um, <laughs> this has been mad, mate. What are your thoughts? Do you know what? I think James pretty much said all I was thinking. He, it's literally like he was reading mm. my mind. I think the biggest word I would use with this transfer window is daft. I think the best bit of business, the club laughing the most in this transfer window is Benfica. And we're all big Benfica fans in what they're doing in the Champions League. But they did the best bit of business in this transfer window and they're laughing. I'm with James. You've been there, Ian. You've been there, Mike. Not all change is good change. Like James said, I'm a big fan in that and understanding it's having a direction in your club in what you want to do and how you want to go about it. We've seen it so many times. Just because you spend the cash doesn't guarantee success. We look, and I'll use an example for me. Everton. 
Everton are a club that's been doing that for 20, 30 years, buying left, right and centre with no real direction. And look at Everton now. It eventually catches up to you. You have to have a plan. You have to have a structure. And I give credit again, but I give credit to Arsenal this time. Since Arteta's mm -hmm. been in there, he's actually gone in not to spend money to compete with Manchester City. He's got the yeah. right pieces that's needed. And that's why they're doing so well this year in Arsenal. Smart bit of business by Arsenal. We can't wait to discuss it. Mike, yeah. I'm coming to you because there has been a few shock moves going on today. The yeah. last minute transfers. Uh, one in particular caught our producer Desi's attention very much. So it was Matt Doherty going to Atleti Madrid. Uh, mm. No real choice for him to depart because of Porro's arrival. Um, yeah. But this is a, a big move, obviously, for Doherty. It's a surprise move to Atleti. And I guess after that, also touch upon the fact that Pedro Porro has just been announced at Spurs and the, the deal is finally done. A deal until 2028, apparently. Yeah, I think this is the make move for Pedro Poro. I, I like Poro quite a bit. Wassam played for Sporting in the Champions League. This is a player who led the Portuguese league in assists as an outside back, so you know he has attacking pedigree, and he will fit even better for Tottenham Hotspurs. I think he will be a bit of a, a upgrade at outside back. They needed an upgrade at outside back. Emerson Royale is not it. He was never it. He will never be it for Tottenham Hotspurs. For Matt Doherty, I don't even know if anyone in Madrid knows who Matt Doherty is. He's probably going there to get oh. a bit of sun. <laughs> I'm, I'm just calling it what it is. He's going to get a little bit of sun, maybe some paella, and he's going to back up Nawal Molina because Molina's hands ahead over Matt Doherty. He'll be, a, a, what did you say, Ben, a solid backup? For that's what they said. That's what they said. Oh, okay. That's even worse. <laughs> I mean, he had a great run of form for, for Spurs like at the back end of last season. After Harry Kane and Jung Min Son, he was you know their most important player and you know really nailed down that right back, right wing back role. Got a bad injury. I mean, Mike's right that he's not like, you know, he's not the player that Atletico are dreaming of. But I mean, I, I think it sort of says something about the slightly cack-handed way that Tottenham have operated, that the indications are that, I mean, as we're seeing on the screen there, they did, they were planning to loan him all day long and then they terminated his contract because they actually had sent too many players out on international loans. And um, I mean, kind of going back to the the topic here, uh, this is from, from Dan Kilpatrick at the Evening Standard. Um, Tottenham have now spent £120 million on right-backs and right-wing-backs. I believe they've played seven of them since mm. Kyle Walker departed. None, none of those seven are Jed Spence, who is a really talented young English footballer who could have been the yep. long-term solution. They keep throwing money at this. I mean, I agree with Mike that Pedro Porro is a, is a great talent, but, you know, will he be the perfect fit for whoever follows Antonio Conte? You know, yep, if he's a wing-back, will he be great next season if Conte's not there? Like, you know, some joined up thinking, please, lads. It's across across England, it would really serve you quite well if you built squads that aren't entirely dependent on whoever is in the dugout at any one time. Yeah, that, that's what the top clubs do. You're 100%. No, I'm just going to say, Ian, we, we spoke about it so many times, and that's something that I believe what the top clubs do. You have football people, the right football people in there, recruiting the right players that regardless of the manager in the dugout, you have more than enough capable professional football players who can play any system, any style and be a good player for what manager comes in. Because if you don't do that, you're going to keep going around in this vicious cycle of spending money, spending money, which is what we continue to see.
Right. I mean, it's crazy right now what's happening. It's certainly a lot of clubs and um, it seems to be a little bit of a merry-go-round for a lot of clubs as they try to find a way to the top of the Premier League, which is not easy. And more and more clubs are spending more and more money and losing out on business-wise. It makes no business sense with some of the moves that we're seeing here. In particular, that Doherty move doesn't make any sense for me business-wise. I'm happy for the player because he's going to Atleti. It seems a good move for him. I'm happy for Atleti because they've got a good right-back who's going to back up their right-back. Yeah. Happy for all of them. But at the end of the day, this is a bad bit of business. Everybody out there who's tuning into the show, you're watching House of Champions. Um, Ian Joy, Nigel Rio Coker, James Benj, and of course Michael LaHood. Drop in a comment there. It's a bit quiet right now, so let us know where you're watching from. Let us know about your team, how they did in the transfer window. Let's get going here. Let's get this up and going. Uh, James, we've got you for about another 15 minutes. Let's get into it. Arsenal Football Club. Let's talk about the Gunners. Um, their number one target clearly was Moises Caicedo. Uh, Brighton refused to sell Caicedo, who was obviously um, a very important player for them, and they let him know that. The player apparently wanted to go. At the end of the day, it was a confusing situation for the player but Brighton said no was it the right call by Brighton and what did you think about the fact that Arsenal moved very quickly before the window closed to sign Jorginho yeah I think it was the right call by Brighton this is a a really talented player and um, one that the market will still be there for in the summer I think Brighton are in a position where they could achieve something incredibly special sixth in the Premier League when you look at that FA Cup draw as well something's opened up and this isn't something that's going to come around all the time for Brighton so I admire that. They don't need the money. And I think, you know, if we're talking about winners of the windows, the team that's got £26 million for Leandro Trossard and replaced him with Kairo Mitoma, I mean, they've got to be right up there in the the windows, the winners of the window. Um, It makes sense. I have my doubts about Jorginho, the player. I think he may well be too slow to play as that one-man pivot that Arsenal want. Mm. On the plus side, um, I've just reported about half an hour ago, Thomas Partey looks like he will be, the expectation is he'll be fit Mm. to play Everton. And we've got to remember that, you know, if things go well for Arsenal, Jorginho might play half a dozen Premier League games, mostly as a sub. If that, you know, it's a, in that sense, it's it's a lot of money still. And I mean, it's not a huge amount compared to some of the other fees we're talking about. It's 10% of the Enzo Fernandez deal, but 12 million pounds and (laughs) an 18 month contract. This it's significant payment for a, a squad player, but it's fine. I mean, with Mohamed Elneny out injured, yeah. it gives them that backup. But I, I, I think if if he starts more than half a dozen games, that probably means there's something not great for Arsenal fitness-wise, and, and that might mean no title. Just- Real quickly before I let Mike jump in here. So you're saying 12 million. You're saying it's it's a lot of money. I mean, realistically, James, they're they're trying to get a title over the door here. I mean, that's always... Isn't it worth it? Yeah, I think that's that's kind of still ultimately where you have to fall down. It's the same thing with Trussard. 26 million for him, 12 million for Jorginho. If Jorginho comes on and scores two or three penalties, if Trussard scores two or three goals, and that's what makes the difference between first and second, yeah... I think that's money well spent. You know, I mean, the whole of North London, will you won't see, see us until uh, August or whatever because we'll all be on a massive piss-up. Did, did you uh, say the whole of North London? <laughs> half of North London? I mean, let's be frank, most of North London. It's the big team in North no. London celebrating. Benj, it wouldn't be you if you were tempered in your approach, tempered in your excitement. I think this is a good move for Arsenal, given that they didn't get their main man in Caicedo. I think this was the next best possible available player. His experience is going to be massive. They add depth that they need in the middle of the park. Is he mobile? No. Is he young? No, he's 31 years old. Arsenal have 
kind of a, a bad habit of getting older Chelsea players. We've seen them with Petr Cech, William, David Luiz, but I think this one's going to be different because of the need, because this isn't the Arsenal of old. This is an Arsenal club and team that are on the up and up or on the cusp of something really good, and the player is desperate to get into a healthier environment. The fact that it was only a couple of years ago that Jorginho was playing for Italy and was one of the best center midfielders in the world, won the Champions League with Chelsea and won Good the point. European Championship with Italy. Those two, yeah. those two things happened not too long ago. It wasn't it? Wasn't ten years ago? It was not too long ago. Only a couple of years ago. So the player is still in there, and he's a player that Mikel Arteta wanted at City, and he still wants now. I think it's a good signing. He knows how to win, right? He knows how to lift trophies. He's been there. He's done it. The experience is so massive. Nigel, you know all about it. Yeah, no, I'm just going to jump on what um, Michael said. He's 100% right. He's going into a good a good atmosphere and a good environment. He's leaving Chelsea, going into Arsenal. There's a structure there. There's a team dynamic there. There's a be- real belief there. He's an experienced player. He's got youth and energy all around him. And it's not youth and energy that's still learning. It's youth and energy now that you'd say are very experienced players. So he's going into a great situation where he doesn't have to do that much. He just has to be himself in how he plays in his style and he's got everything around him. I think it's a great bit of business for Arsenal. And I also think the Trossard deal was a great bit of business because I'm not worried about how much goals he'll score or anything like that. But the impact alone of what he did in that City game tells yeah. me enough that he's another threat in the attacking sense yeah. for Arsenal where they can cause teams problems. So there isn't that heavily reliance now on Saka. Now you have Saka and Trossard. So you've got both sides that are going to be problematic. And Ketia being young and obviously going to get a lot of um, opportunities and from those two players, I think that it's taking Arsenal to another level. And what I like, I feel looking ahead, Arsenal will at least minimum finish in the top four. It's taking them for Champions League football, having a squad that can compete Mm -hmm. Champions League-wise and Premier League-wise. My question to you, James, is how much of an influence did Edu maybe play in this deal to bring Jorginho in? Because of the Brazil. Look at him smiling, look at him smiling. (laughs) I think everyone... Especially around Arsenal, everyone likes to credit everything good to Mikel Arteta and everything bad sort of ends up on Edu's desk by default. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it was a deal from what I was told that, that that both parties agreed instantly on and they'd had on their list, especially when it became clear that Enzo Fernandez was breaking in Chelsea's direction. This is a deal we can get done, a player we like, like you said, one that Arteta's liked for a long time. And yeah, I mean, Arteta has done so well that he deserves to get praise for everything good that happened at Arsenal. But part of the reason Arsenal are so successful is this lockstep, this tight bond between Edu and uh, Arteta. I mean, the other thing I would note, um, I'm sure we'll come on to talk about Enzo Fernandez. You've Chelsea right now, I mean, I don't know, I, you know, Chelsea play on Friday night. I'm at that game at, at Stamford Bridge and I'm really intrigued to see what sort of midfield they can actually put out. Let's assume that Enzo's not ready for Premier League football. I mean, at 120 million, he should be, but it's fair <laughs> to say he won't be. James, come on. You know, they're just picking the names out of the hat. For that exactly. <laughs> Maybe, well, you've got, got a big there. They're just picking a name out of the hat and this is the starting 11. Well, they it. must have enough numbers. <laughs> sort <Yeah>. of Kovacic, <laughs> Zakaria, yeah. Conor Gallagher and uh, Fernandez doesn't sound very impressive to me, does it? It doesn't sound like a, a midfield that can lead you to top four, which is suddenly looks like it might be a bit open with with Newcastle, uh, with Man United losing Ericsson. It just, it feels like Chelsea have set themselves up to have these immediately huge expectations with a squad that has 
no ability yeah. to fulfill them. All right, let's not jump ahead too quickly. I want to get your rating, James, on how Arsenal did. Mm. Were they the best club in the transfer market this window? I mean, obviously, Trossard coming in, QVR coming into the I team. I just had to do this um, on, on HQ, and I said it was Bayern. Bayern Munich? Yeah, I think Bayern is the best window. Um, but, I mean, I would give Arsenal a, a 7 out of 10, I think, you know. It would have been great to have got a Caicedo or a Mudrik, but actually they get some credit for how they reacted to that. And they've made the moves that you would want to see from a title chaser. It, it makes me think of like, you know, it, when the N- NBA trade deadline comes and you see all these people pick up like elite level players on a mm-hmm. contract till the end of the season. That's Jorginho, that's Trossard, isn't it? Just getting good bench options. I like that. I like I'm just going to... Compete against you just a little bit here, James, and say that they did not sign a striker, Bayern Munich. So until they yeah. sign a striker, I am not no, 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 because oh. they didn't, they didn't sign like do a stupid striker <laughs> signing. They they played it smart. They, they know who they want. Right? The goals yeah. are yeah. spreading yeah. around though, Bayern. Yeah. So that's the thing. We can't say like they're really the goals. The goals since when? The goals since when? You, when you mean goals spreading games? around, you mean the goals being conceded as well? Is that what you mean? The own goals? We do have a lot of people jumping in the comments right now. Thanks to everybody out there for jumping in. Hi to Rafa. Uh, Doherty's main function at Tottenham was to be best friends with Kane. Letitia jumping in and saying two moves that makes me believe that Arsenal might just win a Premier League. Signing Jorginho and City without Cancelo. Matt Osmond, how do you? Krishna uh, Verdanton also jumping in. Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea. Seem very in love with Chelsea. Uh, a big following, of course. Obviously, thank you, Krishna for always following us as a Chelsea fan I am happy for Jorginho that he can get the move that he wants um, and stays in London with his family I mean this drives me insane when when players go to like rivals and I don't think there's a rivalry anymore when it comes to the Premier League uh, players just go wherever they want to go uh, come on you Gunnar says BX Gunnar 81 um, a lot of people jumping in Beto Ramirez also saying nothing on Real Madrid uh, yeah very inactive uh, transfer window for Real Madrid but let's turn our attention to Chelsea Football Club and uh, yes let's discuss Endo Fernandez. the deal apparently has been done uh, we're still waiting for that announcement the official announcement coming from Chelsea Football, Football Club but it does appear Michael that it is an eight and a half year deal for Enzo the deal Ooh. is finally done he moves from Benfica he is a Chelsea player and everyone seems confident that this deal is in fact complete is this a good move for Chelsea Football Club and who actually got the better end of the deal here was this Chelsea or was this Benfica 1000% Benfica I mean they got just a pile of gold put at their front door this is a selling club a club that's done wonders in the last decade in the players and add Enzo Fernandez to the list of players that are making them a ton of money. This is a guy who's a good player. Some might say a very good player. He is not a world-class player. For World Cup winner. He is a World Cup winner. That's great. But he's still not a world-class player. If you look at the center midfielders who are there that are world-class, I would not put him there. Can he get to world-class? Absolutely. But for the amount of money, Benfica, 100% win. I hope they reinvest it. They will reinvest it into the next player that brings them a pot of gold. Nigel, what does he do for Chelsea? I mean, what does he bring to Chelsea? I mean, we have all followed Enzo Fernandez since his short time in Portugal. And obviously, he has performed very well, including into a World Cup where he performed incredibly well. But what does he bring to Chelsea that they wanted to make sure he was their player? I'm still trying to work it out myself, Ian, if I'm honest. If I told you what, what he brings, I'll be lying to you. I think he's, mm. like Michael said, I think he's a good he's a good player. But I think there's going to be a lot of scrutiny because of the price tag. And we know players are not the one who set these price tags. But like Michael said, I feel Benfica have done the best bit of business in this transfer window. Rui Costa, the director of football, was absolutely sensational in what he did. He knew Chelsea would be desperate. 
to sign Enzo Fernandez. He stuck to his guns, making them meet the clause. And you cannot tell me that Enzo Fernandez is going to go to Chelsea and be an instant difference maker where we're talking about him creating goals every game, scoring goals every game and being a, a complete impact player. We still don't know how he's going to adapt to the Premier League. I'll probably say, yes, he's a box-to-box midfielder. He's probably more effective in the final third in the sense of creating goals and scoring goals, which Chelsea have been lacking. He needs that mm. creativity. But the Premier League is a whole different beast compared to playing in the Portuguese Premier League. And again, it's how quickly he's going to adapt. When you're spending that type of money, you're talking about immediate impact. And that's a very small market in the world football where you can say players can come in. We're already looking at Darwin Nunes, how much he's struggling at Liverpool. The fact that now he's sitting on the bench against Brighton and Liverpool spent 80 million for him. And now Enze Fernandez is they paid 120 million. And playing in that midfield area, you're talking about box to box, high energy, high tempo for 90 plus minutes. No time to rest. So... I feel personally for me, it's a deal that Chelsea have done just because of how much of a fantastic World Cup he had, everyone talking about him, top player, and they just saw something shiny and glittery and just wanted to associate it with Chelsea without realising, is this a player that we really need right now building for the future? Yeah, I agree with everything Nigel and Micah said. And look, we should say we've been leading the Benfica charge. We've been key fan, Benfica fanboys on this podcast. And uh, we know we, you know, developed a big Benfica audience out of that. That's why we keep talking about them. But I mean, one thing that has to be said, they, these are one of the best talent spotters in the world. But actually, you know, Nigel's mentioned there, Darwin Nunez. When you go and pull out the list of the most expensive sales they've ever made, we've got it up here. Shao Felix will now, I think, just about be eclipsed by Enzo Fernandez. You've got Darwin Nunez in that list. Raul Jimenez to Wolves. Victor Lindelof to Man United. There are are some great ones in there, especially the ones that went to City, Ruben Dias and Edison. But, I mean, it is not... You know, Benfica rightly have this reputation as the ultimate talent factory, the best finishing school for South American footballers. But it is no guarantee that a player coming from Benfica is ready for this. And I think especially, you know, we look at the difficulties Darwin Nunez has had adapting to the physicality of the Premier League. And I think that will be particularly pronounced for Enzo Fernandez. I mean, let's say he makes his debut against Fulham. Is he kind of ready for João Pelinha and uh, Harrison Reed to whack him about the pitch <laughs> for uh, for 90 minutes? This guy is, and we have been saying this a lot, and I, I loved watching him in the Champions League. I thought he was one of the best players in a brilliant Benfica team and one of the best players in the group stage. Oh. But this is a huge step up. This is is not about having that moment for a few weeks in the, in the autumn. This is about repeating it. And that's what will be expected of you. Because as we keep saying, when Chelsea spend all this money, it doesn't matter that they're investing in young players. The expectation is that they make this a hit immediately. Yeah, great point from all of you there, especially when it comes to what's happening in the crazy world right now and how you immediately impact. Uh, there is some breaking news right now. Our own Fabrizio Romano is obviously very active in the transfer window right now. We do see that Kayla Navas joins Nottingham Forest on a loan deal from PSG, but just also reported that there's a big issue for the Hakim Ziyech deal. PSG and Chelsea signed the contracts, but were not sent back to be registered in time. The contracts are not validated as of right now. 
So the clubs are trying to find a solution. But as of right now, it looks like there could be a problem with the Hakim Ziyech deal. Chelsea fans out there, what do you think about that one there? <laughs> looks like he could be staying. PSG would be a bit gutted there. I mean, yeah, but so would Chelsea. They've got yeah. no room for him. And and last thing they want to do is have <laughs> Hakim Ziyech. Ah, oh, gets kind of, better. Yeah. Crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, Nigel, real quickly, before we let James go, I want all of you to have a little say in this one here. Chelsea have obviously made a lot of signings, but they've also signed new deals to many players. Mm-hmm. If I go through some of the players, Mudrik, Bideashili, Mudeke, uh, Fofana, Fofana, Kukurea, Broja, Chukwuema, uh, Slonina, Santos, Sterling. We are talking eight and a half year contract, seven and a half year contract, seven and a half year contract, seven years, six and a half, mm-hmm. six years, six years, six years, six years, five and a half, five years. Uh, Nigel first, and then James, I know you've got a point on this one because you had a very interesting interview earlier this week that you can explain a bit more in detail but Nigel Mike then James you finish up can't hear you he's on mute mute leave you on mute. <laughs> yeah my point is like I said I heard it obviously it's it's a way of getting around the FIFA fair play so that's all I'm gonna say and I think that again Toboli's new to football and he thinks that all these players that are signing are gonna go well there's no guarantee you're gonna sell them for the same money back and you could take huge losses but it's all part of that financial fair play I think it's crazy yeah, I, I think there's two discrepancies. One, yes, uh, the, the amount of money that's being spent, the, the length of the contracts is one thing, but the wage bill. Keep an eye on that. Mudrik, he's not one of the highest earners at Chelsea Football Club, even though he's on a longer contract than some of the players. I think it's about lowering the wage bill for Chelsea Football Club in the longer term. Yeah, I mean, as, as Ian was mentioning there, we had a chat with, with David Sampson, former uh, president of the Miami Marlins. And whilst I can't say I'm an expert, on all things MLB and all things baseball. I mean, this is obviously a, an approach that's that's kind of been lifted from there. And Bowley's a minority stakeholder in the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, I think, and kind of one of the things that came out of this conversation is we get the, the feeling that that Bowley might think he's sort of discovered the equivalent of like a big rookie scale deal for a player like Mudrick. You know, let's have him playing for 90 grand a week for the next seven and a half years. Well, look, unlike uh, unlike American sports, Contracts don't really mean all that much in the end. And if Mudrik starts playing like a 250 grand a week player, he's going to expect to be paid like one. Mm. In the end, it will all stand and fall on whether these players are good enough. If they are, if Mudrik, Fernandez are, are really top quality players, then it's not a big problem that you've got them tied up and you have to give them some pay rises. But uh, every single one of these that they get wrong is a, is just going to be a nightmare. They'll be stuck hang, hanging around forever, deeply unhappy, um, and they're just longer-term Bakayokos and Babaramans are the last thing Chelsea needs. Can I just tie a bow on that, James? Yeah. What we haven't mentioned is the fact of if Chelsea don't start being successful with competing for the Premier League and Champions League, how long does Mr. Bowley think until the fans turn on him and get yeah. him to sell the club and start causing an uproar and a ruckus? Because they can clearly see what's going on and again, I don't think any Chelsea fan can truly sit here and say they see a direction and a plan with their team. Yeah, great point. We've got Dan Kane jumping in. He's a Newcastle fan, uh, certainly one who's been on the channel before. He also believes that Enzo doesn't get them into the top four. Krishna's back in. For me, Chelsea have a midfielder that are box to box, but don't have the passing vision. I understand the pressure of the price tag. I think Enzo's passing vision is something that others simply don't have. That's a great point right there. Uzmaki Leon jumping in. Chelsea are playing Pokemon over there. We got to <laughs> catch them off. Lovely shout right there. <laughs> Browning Cooks, Chelsea use football science to buy the player. 
players. Interesting point right there. And then the last one is uh, Dan saying that Chelsea will have enough unregistered players to field a second squad. And this one's for you, Nigel. I think we actually blocked average Joey says, these guys are stupid. I think that one was directly for you. <laughs> Tell him to come back when he's got his own podcast. Uh, James, we appreciate you, mate. We're going to go to break and we'll let you go as well. Get some sleep. Great work over the transfer window, man. We appreciate you greatly and uh, all the great work you do for CBS Sports and yeah. uh, certainly a big, big part as a co-host here on House of Champions. So get some sleep. But stick around, everybody. House of Champions and the boys will be right back. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, don't miss out on any of this area action. Follow some of the biggest stars in the sport like Olivier Giroud, Rafael Leal, and Otaro Martinez as they try to lead their teams to Scudetto. How will the table change going forward? Which club has the best chance of winning it all? Which clubs have the most to lose? Find out all the answers and stream every single match from Italy's top soccer league live only on Paramount+. Plus. Try one month free with the promo code Serie A. Welcome back. You're watching House of Champions. It's Ian Joy, Nigel Rio Coker, and Michael LaHood. Thank you so much to James Ben for joining us. He's probably already jumped into his bed. Uh, guys, it has been a very, very interesting transfer window. Let's discuss uh, the Reds. Yeah, I'm talking about the Red Devils, Michael LaHood. Oh, uh, yeah. Marcel Sabitzer arrives on a loan deal from Bayern Munich. No permanent fee involved. Uh, Sabitzer seemed very happy to be joining Manchester United. What are your overall thoughts as a United fan? Yeah, I think it comes at the right time, especially given the injury to Christian Eriksen coming after that FA Cup clash with Reading. Unfortunate injury because Eriksen's been one of the best players. Good partnership between he and Casemiro in midfield. He will be missed. But I think a player like Sabitzer, if he can get even a fraction of the sort of form he had when he left Leipzig to go to Bayern Munich, I think it could be a hit. I think it's the right gamble to get a player like that. He's an upgrade from what plan B could be, which is Scott McTominay, Scott McSauce, for those of you up in Manchester watching the pod. Mm-hmm. It's it just, I'm not, I'm not a McTominay fan. He's been there too long. I think they need to move on from him. I think this is a good plan B. I just think that for me, Mike, I give credit to the manager. I think Eric Ten Hag really has come to Manchester United with a real plan. This is a manager that actually knows what he's doing and he's doing it the right way. He's not going buying or asking for crazy amounts of money. He's building with the players that he's got and he's recruiting the right players. I feel for me, this is the best recruitment in the sense of the manager that they've got of these American owners pretty much since they've been there. Like this is something that they can really build on. Again, I just hope that they can see what they have and continue to support him And don't get sucked into other things that we've seen so far in the likes of Chelsea, going for big names and just the star power of selling shirts and all that type of nonsense. No, you can build something special. And again, for me, it's it's a stop in a gap right now because of obviously Ericsson's injury. 
But yep. the midfield area is something that they definitely need to recruit strength and improve quality levels into. And obviously their goal is finishing in that top four. And I think right now with the form that they're on and how they're playing, they could finish definitely in that top four, Man United. I just want to add yeah. very quickly, Go just ahead, from, a, from a tactical standpoint, Sabitzer gives a versatility. We've seen Bruno Fernandez play out wide different games and big games. In the City game, he played as a right winger. And it allows you, if you want to play Casemiro and Fred at the base as the midfield too, you can play Sabitzer as your attacking mid and allow Bruno, Bruno to, to float free. So the versatility factor, the need factor, and the fact that you have something to play for, it just makes sense. Uh, Nigel, I want to come to you quickly on uh, Ten Hag. I mean, you mentioned it real quickly about obviously the structure and how things have changed around at Manchester United. It seems to me like the power is certainly in the hands of Ten Hag and the job that he is doing has certainly been proven with the results that Manchester United are getting right now. And it seems to me like obviously with the Ericsson injury, obviously an ankle injury is going to be out for about three months. This is a good fit for Zabitzer to go to Manchester United and get some minutes and show the true quality of a player that he is. This is not a permanent deal. There is no price tag at the end of it. So it is a stop that player as Mike pointed out but this is also a player that can make a difference if he's on top form the Leipzig form that Mike's talking about what a player what a fantastic mm. player this guy can really go to the next level with his own performances when he's challenged and I think he gets that at Manchester United however he's got to be consistent he's got to get shots he's got to keep playing and when he does play he's got to play well because you could get a Zabitzer that is uninterested if he's not involved in the games enough he becomes a pain in the ass and he could be a problematic player around the locker room as well Manchester United in the way Ten Hag is running this business Nigel impresses me so much what are your thoughts on Ten Hag and how he's handled everything thousand percent with you Ian the way he's run Manchester United is enough to tell you the hand the whole handling the Cristiano Ronaldo situation how he's put a form foot down. We've had players come from Manchester United and say discipline has finally been reinstated at that club because that was what was needed. Too many players were getting away with murder and you can see how they perform. Look at the improvement in performances we've seen from individual players. And I'll be honest with you, I loved Casemiro from his time at Real Madrid. I didn't know he'd have the same impact as he would have coming into Manchester United. And he yeah. has been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, and even class. for Casemiro to come and say, I'm enjoying my football, I'm playing like a kid again. Whenever a player says that, Ian, you know it. It mm -hmm. comes from management and coaches. So I think that Zavis is going to have a dressing room that's organized, well-drilled, focused, and he will know instantly you can't step out of line, regardless. Mm -hmm. And this is our, our, our goal is to get in that top four. Come here and be part of it and enjoy your football. And I feel it, it's a great fit right now. Yeah, great point. If you want to know how good Ten Hag is, just go have a look at Ajax Amsterdam off late. They are yeah. an absolute shambles. Oh, left. Mike, real quickly, the transfer window yeah. is over for Manchester United. How would you rate it out of 10? One being dreadful, 10 being very good. Let's not forget that Veghorst was the other player that was added. Yeah, I, I, I'm very happy with this transfer. I, th I think we address needs more than wants. And as a United fan, hey, we move forward. And it's all about how these players adapt to the field. Veghorst getting a goal before the window closes, can Sabitzer make as big of an impression? We'll see. Yeah, a couple of questions coming in here. Go ahead, Nigel, real quickly before no, I get no, to them. No, nothing. All right, we have uh, Krishna jumping in saying, I don't know, uh, Nigel, he said, the Glazers are, as long as the Champions League is there, they don't care about improving or really going after trophies. Uh, we also have uh, Matt Osman jumping in saying, it's a big loss, Ericsson, it's a big loss. Don't think Sabitzer can replace that talent void. I agree with you pretty much, Matt, but he certainly has the potential and with the right players around him and the right coach in the right environment. I think Sabitzer could be a real hit at Manchester United, but you've got to get that player. And Dan jumping in and saying, no one knew, Nigel, crazy how well he has played. 
I have no idea what that comment means, but I thought <laughs> Manchester United got an extension. He's about Casemiro. Ah, yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, speaking of craziness, this transfer window did not disappoint for the Americans. Michael Lahoud hey. leads United, got Weston McKinney. It was a great video seeing him, obviously, with Tyler, <laughs> uh, the two players linked up together. It is a loan deal. There is a 30 million euro asking price at the end of the loan deal if Leeds United want him. It's pretty cool to see Jesse there, Tyler there, Brennan there, Weston, obviously, all together. It seems like it's a unique environment for the Americans. Um, overall thoughts on the move for Weston McKinney? And then overall thoughts on what you think this will do for Leeds United going forward. Can he really help them? I, I think he can help them. I think he's going to a league that translates well to his game. I mean, this is a guy who's a box-to-box midfielder. I don't think Syria was where he should have gone in the first place after leaving Schalke to go. But credit to him. He was part of a lot of transition at Juventus. He started getting games. I liked how he played playing at that wing back position in Juve's back five, sometimes a back three when they're in attack. But he will be part of that midfield three. Jesse Marsh has flirted between a 4-3-3 and a 4-2-3-1. I think with the addition of McKinney, it'll go to a 4-3-3. McKinney on one side, Tyler Adams on the other, and Raka. Adams and Rocco have had a good partnership so far. I think they will need life in that midfield. But ultimately, Leeds will need to get goals, get goals and get wins. And McKinney will help this team. NRC, can I come to you uh, just with a, a really important question? Because this sure. is an American invasion here. And obviously, we can all be critical of the American players. But I'd go as far as to say as Tyler's done a good job so far in the Premier League. He's, he's pretty much settled himself in there. Brennan's done a good job implementing his part in the games. But Jesse Marsh is still struggling. They're still at the bottom of the table. I watched their FA Cup game at the weekend. I thought it was a good performance from them. Lovely goal from Jack Harrison. Mm. Um, but... Is Weston enough for Leeds United to keep them up and to keep Jesse in the in the seat? Ian, you're so right. I'm intrigued to see how this goes because I understand what Michael's saying and maybe Weston McKenna has that thing, but the Premier League is a different kettle of fish. Kumla Bali, who Chelsea's paid a lot of money for, who people think would have took Chelsea to win the Premier League this season, has struggled tremendously that Chelsea have bought another four or five centre-backs. And he's come from Serie A being pretty much the best defender in Serie A and he's gone to the Premier League and he even admitted to say he didn't realise how difficult the Premier League is. It's a different game and especially coming in centre midfield Michael, mm. it's going to be a rude awakening. I like Tyler Adams, what he's done. For me, like Ian said, Ian made the point which I was going to make is the same thing. Great him coming in. Leeds are not winning. It's a results business. That is one place, to, a difficult stadium to go and play when things are not going well. It's not going to be too long unless they start getting some results till the fans turn on Jesse Marsh. And then it makes it a complete different environment for those players and the pressure really kicks in. I'm intrigued to see how he adapts to the Premier League. And I think that it's going to be a rude awakening. He has to understand, he has to hit the ground running because he's not going to a club that's comfortable, that's going to give him time to embed himself in. He's going straight in the deep end and leads, let's be real, they're in a relegation battle and they need to start getting results. So... I feel I'm going to sit back and watch. I'm not going to criticize him or anything like that. I think he is a great talent, but I think that he's got to understand how difficult the Premier League is going to be from Serie A. He's not going to get that time and space that he's used to, and he's going to be players in his face constantly. A lot of one-touch, two-touch player, balls around the corner. That's what it is to play in the Premier League in midfield, in center midfield. But he, he's a player that doesn't like the ball at his feet that often. He wants to press and win balls in the attack. And I think okay, that's going to translate. I think that's going to translate well in the Premier League. Is okay, the Premier Michael, League is becoming a league where you press and win balls high and get yeah, to goal? 
a high energy plays a part, but then there's going to be times when you play against good teams who are just as good on and off the ball and they'll be like, okay, let him have the ball because he can't hurt us. Well, and sometimes you've seen players crumble. Ian will tell you as well, when mm-hmm. players have the ball and they've got a lot of time and space, they give it away cheaply. I know yeah. stories of top managers who, when we've played them, top, top managers, I'm talking the top 1% who said, when he has the ball, press him and close him down. When he has the ball, leave it to him. He'll give it back to us. That's a different story. And those types of situations can arise. You will get exposed in the Premier League. Very I, I, agree, I agree with that. But let's look at the schedule coming up because Leeds have a favorable schedule. Remove the two games against United. I think they're, they're going to struggle in those two games. But look who they play. They play Forest. That's a winnable game for Leeds. It's a direct. It's a It's a It's a tough game, but it's a winnable game, manageable game. Then they play. They play United twice. They play Everton. They play Southampton. Those are good games for Weston McKinney to come in and get his feet wet in the Premier League. I like his odds of getting a good okay. start. That's all I'm now, saying. What's, what's What's Leeds struggling to do, Mike? Win games. I hear no, that. No, but what? I hear goals. that. Score goals. Hey. Okay. I hear that, but when you're when you're struggling, you need an energy lift, and this guy is going to bring the energy offensively. He makes runs out of midfields. He's not a deep lying playmaker that's going to want to dilly dally on the ball and get caught on the ball. He didn't do it at Juventus. He didn't do it in Germany. He's not going to do it in the Prem. I think his skill sets, when he's on, hopefully he will be on, will translate well. He's going in an environment where he's going to be comfortable. He's going to be welcome. He's going to feel at home, and as a player. You both know this. That makes a difference when you've gone to a new team. Yes, but you're going into an environment that demands to to win. And if you don't win games very quickly, what happens is the pressure turns from the supporters on Jesse Marsh, therefore turns the pressure on the players. I think it's a very difficult environment to go into. And I think it's a risky game for Jesse and Leeds United to play. You have so many Americans there now. And they can turn on you very quickly. And it's a real big part of your team. It's a big part of your locker room, these American players now. And can you even imagine if they get relegated? Half the U.S. men's national team will be playing in the championship next season. So that's never good. Ian, you've come across a lot of Leeds fans. I'm sure about it. But Ellen Road is a different beast of fans. Those fans there are crazy. And I'm telling you, unless you hit that ground running and become a crowd favorite, you're going to be in for a very tough time because they will turn on you if they don't feel you represent that shirt well enough. And it's going to be interesting. I'm not ruling him out. Like I said, I just hope he knows what he's getting into. And like Ian said, it's a dangerous game that they're doing with getting all these American kids there because fans will start questioning that. Yeah, no doubt about it. Let's uh, touch upon some of the other American moves. Uh, there was a great video that was popped up by Hibernian Football Club. Matthew Hoppe went on loan to Hibs. I thought this video was absolutely <laughs> awesome. Did you see it, Mike? No. Oh, mate. I know the movie. Yeah. Yeah, you know the movie. Sorry, Des. What's that? Oh, McLovin. Sorry. Apologies to everybody out there for yeah. Nigel's oh, language, geez. everybody. Um, <laughs> listen, we appreciate all the comments coming in there. Thank you so much, everybody, for jumping on the back of what's happening at Leeds United. But this is a good move, obviously, for Matthew Hoppe. He seems to be trying to find his level right now. Didn't work out at Schalke for him. He's had a few moves since, trying to find a home where he can score goals. Still a young kid as well. So overall impressions for the Americans. Mike, I'm coming to you first, but I don't just want you to touch upon him. Also, the potential of Conrad De La Fuente going to Hull. And then uh, we almost touch upon, I know he's not an American. Well, he is an American but playing for Mexico is yeah. uh, Arujo going to Barcelona on loan, potentially playing and starting at Barca B. Still a big move for Major League Soccer. Thoughts? Yeah. yeah, I think it's massive. You're seeing more and more Major League Soccer players plying their trade in Europe and, and really going for it. I, I think the the Araujo move is very interesting because Sergino Dest, I think he's on loan to Milan. 
I wonder what happens if this move is permanent. I saw Fabrizio Romano saying it was a loan deal at first, possibility of a permanent move from Barcelona. If it's permanent, then there could be competition between he and Sergio Dest when Dest returns from Milan, because I think he's going to go back. I don't see Milan buying him for that loan deal that he's on right now. And for Hoppy, Hoppy, was it a couple of years ago? Hoppy actually looked very good in the Gold Cup, but he's kind of faltered a bit, lacking some minutes, lacking some form. When that's happening and you want to be part of the national team, Frey, you got to get minutes. You got to go. New chapter for him. I like this move for him. Yeah, it's been interesting to see what Hoppy's actually done because he did start very well at Schalke. I was covering the Bundesliga very intensely when he started and he scored a bunch of goals, but he has really struggled to score goals wherever he's gone since then. He has spent some time at Mallorca. He spent some time um, at Middlesbrough most recently and just can't seem to find the back of the net. He can't seem to find his goals more than anything else. So he's really, really struggling. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're looking to see if we can get Americans playing well and doing their best going forward. Let's turn our attention, Nigel, away from the Americans and get back to the transfer market before we close out the show with some cup action. Skriniar's move to Paris Saint-Germain fell through um, at the last minute. It looks like he's going to move as a free agent in the summer now. He will stay at Inter. Uh, smart move for the player here, player power? Risky. There's a lot There's a lot of players nowadays in this uh, day and age of football that become free agents. And then I think that players used to think that they have the power. And unless you're really in that top 1%, you don't have the power. Because then clubs will start messing you around because, again, it becomes the whole business side of it. It's a risk. It's a risk for the play, in my opinion. Let me just end here, Mike, real quickly. There's an yeah. update from Fabrizio. Also, CBS Sports is uh, Fabrizio Romano. Might I add there? Uh, more on Hakim Ziyech. PSG have an appeal ready to the LFP, but contracts are not validated as things stand after wow. Chelsea and Paris Saint-Germain exchanged their documents. He says right now the deal is currently off so not great for Paris Saint-Germain in this transfer window can't wait to talk to our very own Jonathan Johnson about what happened in this transfer window and also his thoughts on PSG at this moment being very inactive in this transfer window but Mike this is disappointing two players that they lost out on yeah it's going to be massive because they find themselves in a title race they didn't expect themselves to be in this is a club that wants to win the Champions League at all costs but I wonder if not getting players to back up and become good high quality squad players in this window will cost them potentially in the run-in for both Champions League and League uh when I look at my final thoughts <laughs> that's pretty funny I'm sorry the face just says it oh what a picture yeah. He's got Fabrice to go was a genius, man. He knows how he put, always puts the picture up that compliments <laughs> his work. <laughs> that is class. No, but my final thoughts, I'm sticking with League. Uh, I think one of the most quiet winners of this window in the league is Olympic Marseille. No, not because I'm Olympic Marseille's biggest fan since last fall, but I'm saying it the quality of players they've gotten. They've gotten Malinowski, played in Syria to come in. The biggest question about them was, can they get attacking talent around Alexis Sanchez? They did that, and they got a striker in Vinicius, or sorry, Vinicius, Vitinha, excuse me, had too much mate to drink before the show. <laughs> Vitinha from Braga, who has a bunch of goals in them in the Portuguese league, young player. I like what they're doing in Marseille, and I think it's going to come at the right time when they play PSG in the Coupe de France and in the league uh, running. Nigel, anything from you? Nah. All right, let's Ooh. move on. We we did have some cup action and some games going on today. I'll run through them pretty quickly. Uh, I want to get a quick opinion from you. Newcastle into the EFL Cup final, also known as the Carabao Cup. Uh, big win for them today. It was an interesting game because Newcastle, I don't know if you guys watched it, Newcastle got off to a flying start, man. They were absolutely on fire. And then Southampton pulled a goal back. 
And it really got interesting because uh, Southampton made it real close at the end of the game, but eventually Newcastle go to a final. And you can see, Nigel, what it means to the people of Newcastle. They want silverware. Why, aye, man. Of course they want silverware. That's my Geordie accent, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> real football fans... Like your Sierra uh, accent. Oh, piss off. You don't know nothing about Sierra Leone. <laughs> anyway, for real football fans there... Um, Newcastle for me is really an amazing city and I'm yeah. so happy to see what I'm seeing. I was a bit skeptical at the start with the takeover, Ian, but I give credit. Yeah. Everything that they're doing and how they're doing everything is the perfect and right way. And it's all about the fans. It's doing it the right way. It's not coming in there showing that they're the richest fo- they're the richest club in world football, which they are financially, but they don't mm-hmm. go out there and show it. Um, and everything that they're doing is fantastic. You know, they got in their first cup final in how many years? What it's going to mean to the fans and the city mm-hmm. is absolutely beyond anything you can put into words. And mm-hmm. it's a great way to start building something for the long-term future. And what I like is the involvement of the fans. And again, just the recruiting. And I think yeah. when you look at Newcastle and you look at everything we've discussed in this pod today with how Chelsea have gone against business, now all these different clubs have done it. You don't always have to splash the cash and spend crazy money. If you get yeah. the right football people in your football club with the right direction and everyone just does their job, you can achieve great things in the footballing world. Credit to Newcastle. It's going to be tremendous to them. And just to add to Newcastle, it's going to credit to, to Brighton in what Brighton have been doing for how many years? Eddie, Eddie, a little bit of credit for Eddie here. Yeah, Eddie ma- massive, massive Eddie, credit yeah, to yeah. the manager. Yeah, well, credit to the local lad, Shane Longstaff as well, giving the two goals today in the cup match against Southampton. I thought he was brilliant. For Newcastle, yes, the team is amazing, but it's right side, strong side. Karen Trippier getting the assist. Miguel Amiron getting the assist on both goals. They have been the uh, the production valve. Trippier leading the oh, team in assists. What's that, nice? That was not, I was just going to say, carry on. I was, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay, okay. You, okay you, please do, please do. Let me just finish my spiel. But Trippi has been leading the team in assists, Almiron with the goals. It's good to see Longstaff getting in on the action offensively. What's what's your take? What's your question? I was just going to say, we just discussed about the American takeover at Leeds, right? Hmm. How long did it take for Almiron to really hit form where you can say he's recognized Premier League player? How many years, Michael? One. What is it? Yeah, a year. One year. Yeah. Yeah, Eve. Behave. You think quicker? You think quicker? No, longer. Oh, longer. How long has Armour oh, been in Newcastle for? Well, he's been oh, there for uh, what two or three years now. I don't even know how long three, he's been yeah. there. I'd say two. Or three. I would say one year before he started to really show something. Mm. Mate, this is Beautiful. the best bit of form that he's had. Other than that, for me, he's just been a, another high energy player that you'd love in your team because he runs around all day. Now he's Premier uh, League quality. Mm. Can I, I like just him. also add here that uh, Bruno Guimaraes uh, got a red card in that game. It was video oh. review. It went back to video review. Big. It was a dreadful tackle. I don't know if you guys big. saw it, but it was a horrible yeah, tackle. That's a big loss for them. Oh, it's massive. Especially should they play United, most likely play United in the final. Advantage United because of that. He's, he's a big, big loss. He's a big component of what they do in possession. And also when they press without them, they're a different team. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Uh, German Cup also took place today. Paderborn lost by two goals to one against Stuttgart. Stuttgart scoring two goals in the last five minutes of the game to get the victory. A uh, very, very good performance from Stuttgart, but he just couldn't find the back of the net until the final five minutes. Union Berlin, um, they actually went through against Wolfsburg. Good victory for them. Wolfsburg under Nico Kovac rejuvenated somewhat, but just falling short at the final harder. Union Berlin getting the job done there. Uh, Knoche scoring against his former club and Berens scoring the winner 79 minutes into the game. And then Copa Italia, 
Um, I didn't Ooh. update my score. I didn't watch the game, yeah. but I think it was 1-0 to Inter Milan. Watched, and Armian it, scored yeah. a goal, right? Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, yeah well, it was. It, it was it was, a, it was an interesting game. In the first half, Inter had the ball and, and really didn't materialize enough chances. In the second half, though, they really turned it up. And I thought it was interesting subs interesting to to leave certain players on Adama look off the, the the 11 Adama Lookman was a player I would have expected to be more and have more of a, a say and more of a play in this game Gasparini I think got it wrong got out coach got out played in the end well he brought him in in 55 minutes into the game I thought yes. he started the, the game I mean I don't even understand why they started with that team as soon as I yeah. saw the teams I decided I wasn't going to watch that game. Uh, that was just me. I was just like, I'm not going to watch this game. There's too many other good games to go on there. Um, I want to go back to Germany real quickly before we do finish here with our final mm -hmm. thoughts. Uh, there was an awesome exchange on social media. It was between, obviously, Union Berlin <laughs> and Leipzig. If you notice right there, Isco was apparently about to sign for Union Berlin. So when he was not announced in the squad, RB Leipzig decided to ask the question, where is Isco? And then Union Berlin replied with tradition, <laughs> which means... Uh, you're a plastic football club, Red Bull Leipzig. You're a plastic football club. You got no history. You got no tradition. Yes, that's what that response means from Leipzig, uh, from Union Berlin, which I thought was absolutely class there. Nigel? Golf clap. <laughs> yeah, that is. That is. Golf clap. <laughs> Pretty oh, awesome. Mike. I love this. I love this. I love this because why? Not just for Twitter banter, but there is a Bundesliga match and a Bundesliga run-in, potential title run-in between these two sides to pit Bayern to the title. So why not start it at Twitter and then take it on I love this. The Bundesliga needs more of this. I just need to say, well, the Bundesliga do a great job with their social medias, but more and more clubs are getting very active on their social media and the comedy coming out from some of these people, <laughs> they deserve a raise. I mean, it's so fantastic watching what's happening. Boys, great, great yes. transfer window. Great stuff as always today. I appreciate you. We're hitting 50 minutes here, so we better get out of here. But really great job from both of you. Nigel, anything before we leave? No, it was just honestly, I, I honestly, just for me, I'm not going to lie, I cannot wait to see how all these signings that Chelsea have done mesh together and just to see what comes next to Chelsea. That is what I'm looking forward to. Mike, anything from you? Yeah, of course. Happy that Sabitzer's in, but ah, kicking myself because I love my African footballers. Wanahi to OM. That's a big one. One of the breakout stars from this World Cup, getting a big upgrade, getting a big move to Ale Ale OM. So can't wait to watch him play. Officially announced here from Fabrizio just seconds ago, Enzo Fernandez is a new Chelsea player. All the documents are signed between the clubs with Benfica and player side on the contract. Valid until June, <laughs> June 2031. Medical tests are also done. Payment in six different installments, but 40 million up front. Boley and whoever that name is, board did it after a mad 24 hours. Yeah. We finally got a here we go. Let's guess his wages then. Because he ain't, Enzo Fernandez ain't signing for no hundred grand a week. <laughs> Let's guess his wages. Three hundred and fifty a week. No, for, for eight and a half years. Yep. Oh my days. You gotta be crazy to do that. But the player has the power here, though, Nigel, yeah, because no, he, he knows that they want him, yeah. and Benfica want to keep him. So the player has all of the power he here because both Benfica, clubs want him. Benfica done the best bit of business. I, I would probably say he's probably on anything from about 200 grand a week. And he probably took a large bit of wage in a signing on fee early, like yes. a large bit. Early, mm -hmm. early wow. doors. A good 10, uh, Nigel, similar to what you got. 
<laughs> I'm a simple man, mate. I'm a simple man. I'm a simple man with the Ferrari. Simple man. <laughs> House of Champions after dark is officially over. House of Champions transfer window is now officially closed. Uh, everybody will be back at it again on Wednesday at 12.30 Eastern with Fabrizio Romano. We're going to get all the secrets around the end of this transfer window, so make sure you tune in with us then. The boys have been absolutely fantastic this week, so thank you to you guys. But thanks to everybody out there for listening to House of Champions. Please take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. We're also available as video, so subscribe to us on YouTube and leave us a comment and let us know what you think of the show. It means a lot to us. Thanks to everybody. We'll see you with Fabrizio on Wednesday. Nigel, you can go and enjoy your night with another drink. Tell your friends, people. Best podcast out there. <laughs> this is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.